I don't know what the hell I'm talking about this week, Bo. I got nothing. What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Knows Nothing Kalal, and we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis presented by the Pigskin Podcast Network. Adam, how's it going, sir? What's up, Graham? How you doing over there, buddy? It's going great on this end. So good to see you, as always. Great to see you, too, friend. And that beautiful, beautiful, shining, glistening face of yours on the other side of the mic stand. Thanks. So excited to talk about Atlanta professional sports with you today, pal. Man, you got uh, just the most energy you've ever had since you were like 12 years old yeah. before you started drinking. Yeah, I'm all mm-hmm. giddy. Mm-hmm. Just played uh, an hour and a half of tennis. Yeah. We're not the athletes we used to be. You're not at all. But uh, got got the heart pumping, you know, and uh, ready to see what we can talk about this week. Sure. Hope you have some ideas because I'm, I'm fresh out. Yeah, I know. We, we, we know that. Um, let's jump right into the Falcons, Adam. A rather sobering week. I would say for the Falcons as they fall to Cincinnati in Cincinnati, 35 to 17, got their asses kicked pretty much the whole game. Really, tough draw. Huh? It was a tough draw. It was a tough draw, especially considering we had no Casey Hayward uh, and Terrell gets hurt relatively early in the game. And so you're running guys out there that you never heard of like Cornell Armstrong and, uh, you know, people like that. Um, and to his credit, Cornell Armstrong was really trying. He made a couple of decent plays, but he got torched a lot. I mean, the Bengals threw all over us. It was it was kind of disgusting. Uh, Burrow throws for 481 yards, three touchdowns. Boyd is 8 for 155. Chase, 8 for 130, two touchdowns. T. Higgins, 5 for 93. And Boyd also had a touchdown. So it's like they just did whatever the hell they wanted. Give me those Burrow stats again. Uh, Burrow was 34 for 42 for 481 yards, three <laughs> touchdowns. I think I saw that's like, I mean, that's like historically great passing numbers. I think it's like the most that's been thrown on us since like Jake DeLome in like 2004 went for like 500 against us he somehow. He 339 yards, I think, at the beginning of the second quarter. It was something like something insane. It was like yeah. eight minutes left in the second quarter. He had 339 yards. Yeah, Did, I mean, I, I tell you what, I, I walked into the, by the way, shout out to the Hudson Grill in... East Atlanta Village, sorry, in Little Five Points, because I feel like we've kind of been struggling to find a great sports bar around here. And Hudson Grill is just classic. It's got lots of space. It's got all the TVs. They care about what games you want to watch. It feels like the famous pub. Yes, yes. I feel like Hudson Grill maybe gets a bad name because it's more chainy. But like Brewhouse will just put soccer on all the time. Uh, A lot of the TVs there aren't great. And, you know, Hudson Grill was exactly what you want for a Sunday watching football. Yeah. And they can actually make uh, a cocktail on, like, Brewhouse, which is which is nice. Yep. So. Yeah. But a- anywho, uh, by the time I walked into Hudson Grill, we were already down 7 nothing. Yeah. It was like. It scored I, within two minutes. Yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> like I said, it was, it was a rough, it was going to be a rough matchup for us anyways, but especially with those injuries to the cornerbacks. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how we're going to piece this together. And then we lost Jalen Hawkins as well. So right. Secondary, which was the strength of this team, particularly when you don't have a good pass rush. They, they were doing a good enough job holding up their end without a pass rush. It wasn't great, but it was it was decent enough to keep you competitive. Now, um, what was a position, I wouldn't say of strength, but at least of competence, is no longer. Yeah, yeah. So they're trying to piece that together this weekend. I think Avery Williams is legitimately going to have to 
revert from running back back to cornerback for a few weeks. Yeah, of sheer necessity. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, there's they've got some money to play with in the cap, believe it or not. I know Graham did not believe it when I first brought this up well, to him. It's hard to believe when you get $70 million in dead cap money. Yeah, but they got about $8 million to play with if they wanted to add some pieces, but I don't think they're going to be trading draft picks unless they're like very late round draft picks. It would be a mistake. Um, um, I'll use a, a comparable situation. So like the Falcons are overachieving right now. They're tied for first and, and probably the worst division of football in the NFC South at three and four. Gotta love it. You gotta love it. So like the Orioles this year in baseball overachieved. They won like 83, 84 games. They had a chance at the deadline to get better and maybe make the wild card. And they were competitive to the end of the season, but with like a week left, like they were kind of like five, six games out. But they made the decision to move on from a couple of key pieces and not they were sellers at the um, they were sellers at the deadline instead of buyers because they know this team isn't really gonna win a World Series this year, even though they are overachieving and it's great. So it's like let's continue with the plan, let's keep rebuilding, and they'll be better next year for it. Uh, I think the Falcons should follow suit. They should not make any moves. Um I think at the deadline to try and get better. If they want to trade somebody that's uh, in, in high demand for some reason that will help the team in the long run and accrue more draft picks, great. They should not be buyers, though. They shouldn't make some big move for like a lockdown corner or something on a bad team. Let me throw this name out there for you. You know who we could trade that would have a little bit of market value and wouldn't kill us this year? Yeah. Corderell. You want to trade CDP? The, the fans would absolutely hate it. Yeah, but I think that our running game can still survive without Corderell. That's a hot take, Adam. Yeah, thank you. I I, I actually agree with you. Yeah, trade trade Corderell at a position of strength, especially with Damian Williams still coming back, and uh, get yourself a cornerback in here and still compete. Because at the end of the day, what I mean, you're trying to compete for the fans. This year is about building trust and uh, goodwill with the fans. Sure. Getting people back in the stadium, getting them excited for... I mean, we're in first place. So, yeah. did you just contradict yourself, though, by saying you want to build goodwill with the fans, but you want to trade Cordero Patterson? Oh, but I think that's how, that's the only way you make you make yourself better with that. I would agree. Yeah. I would agree with that. Like, if you make the right move for him, sure. Winning is how you build goodwill. Regardless of and how if you, you can, it. And if yeah. you can get yourself either a pass rusher or a cornerback for Cordero, you make yourself better. Yeah. Granted, this offense needs a little pep in its step, so that could that could backfire big time. Right. But um, uh, it's it's an idea. It's an interesting thought. Um, I don't think CDP is in the long term plans for this franchise. I don't think he's a guy you're like we're going to build around. Even though he is a good player, um, I don't think it's something like long term where we're like, oh yeah, over the next five years he's going to be our feature back and uh, gadget receiver and shit. And like, eh, I just don't, I just don't see that. And and you're right, like Algier is really establishing himself. He's not a great back yet, but you see the potential there more than enough, I think, to, to believe in him that he could be the future uh, at running back. Let me ask you this. Here's another one for you, Graham. All right, so, you know, we only threw it 13 times last week, correct? It was awful. Um, stay with me. We'll, we'll talk about we the game talk plan about that, yeah. in, in depth. But would you trade Marcus Mariota straight up for Matt Ryan in order to let Matt Ryan be the mentor to Desmond Ritter and get Desmond Ritter in there now and uh, maybe improve the passing game a little bit. I've, so we're bringing Matt Ryan back to be a backup. No, I don't do that because he's still owed so much money. He's still got three more years. Oh, Colts have to keep that money. 
Well, we're we'll paying pay him for the rest of this year. Well, we are paying him for him the rest of this well, year. Next, uh, well, next Okay, so we'll, we'll continue to pay, pay him for this year. Have him on the team. Colts pay him for next year. I don't know if it works like that. Um, maybe it does. I'm, I have no idea. But I, I wouldn't do that. One, Matt Ryan has shoulder separation, so he's not going to give you anything on the field. You said bring in Ritter and let him mentor Ritter, so that kind of nullifies my point there. But – if for whatever reason Ritter didn't work out, then what do you got at quarterback? You got a guy with a shoulder separation who's already been hit 80 times this year and sacked 25 <laughs> times. You thought the protection was bad in Atlanta last year. It's even worse in Indianapolis. Yeah, that's holy the, shit. That's the other big news. They they officially demoted poor Matty Ice. His career is probably over at this point as a starter. Yeah, why would he like come back to be a backup? Because he likes playing. I don't know. I guess he can still make some more money for the next two three years. He's still under contract. Um, you know, hold a clipboard. For well, if they the cut him, couple he, years. they still have to pay him. Exactly. So, well, they don't have to pay him everything, but they do have to pay him a lot. I guarantee someone would still pick up Matt Ryan. He still had a couple of like really good games this year. He just turned the ball over too much and got the shit hit out of him, which you know is a combined failure. I would say with the with the Colts' offensive line, lack of running game, and somewhat Matt slowing down. Yeah, the Colts. Either their coach or GM or owner, somebody was just saying how like they failed Matt Ryan. Yeah, the coach was, was saying that he was promised this great offensive line and running back, and it hasn't happened. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Yeah. But that's not this current team. But we we do need to discuss the fact that in this game against the Bengals, where we actually made things interesting, Graham, like second quarter, I mean we were down what like twenty twenty one something like that. Yeah, we were down big. Right, we were we were down by like at least twenty points or something, and um, the Bengals score another touchdown. I was like, oh Jesus, okay. So then we reel off this like insanely slow, circa nineteen forty one, sixteen plays, seventy five yard, ten minute drive, where we eventually punch it in. And it's like okay, and the Bengals come back and score again, and we do this beautiful deep pass to Demir Bird. It was one play for seventy five yards. It was like the inverse of the last drive. Um, there's not a lot of time left on the clock at this point, but so the we, defense gets its first stop of the day. And then Avery Williams does this brilliant return, sets us up for a field goal, and we got it. And so we're down like what? Like 28 17 at the half? And we're, you know, defense is getting torched, yes, but it's like, okay, the offense showed some life. There. And we're getting the ball at the half as well. And we're getting the ball to start the, the, the uh, you know, we're getting, getting the ball to start the second half. So, but we just couldn't do anything in the second half. Neither could the Bengals. Our defense did adjust in the second half, uh, particularly to start uh, the half. We 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 turned them over on downs, and uh, they only scored once. And the rest of the time, they had to punt it. So it's like the offense couldn't get anything going on our end. So it was like it was just once again a, a showcase of the Falcons can't play consistent four quarters on either side of the ball and. Mariota, even though he had a great game um, the week before, today was just, you know, his inconsistent self. Or not today, well, but He this wasn't week. getting the opportunities. 13 throws? like. But that sh- says a lot, Adam, when you are still running the ball down three scores and your coaches are still running the football. That tells me they don't trust Mariota with the ball. They don't trust him to make it happen. Which brings I, up the point. I think of, you got to give him the opportunity in a situation like that. Perhaps, so I, and but that says a lot about the coaching staff's opinion of Mariota. I think, right? I, I'm not disagreeing with your take. I'm just saying that speaks volumes. And Coach Smith said something about how this might be something that we learn from, and because he he has done this all year, like he, something about his game plan, we question it, and then he makes adjustments, right, uh, for the next game. So. 
I wouldn't be surprised if they are they do air it out a little bit more. Um, Especially against Carolina, you gotta have you gotta find some more balance. Like you can't. It's all it's about where you are in the game. Like you can't run the ball if if you're down 21 points. You can't have a 10 minute drive. I agree. Like eventually you gotta try to air it out. Yeah. So if we were up 14, yeah, run the hell out of the ball. Yeah. Don't pass it at all. But that's the problem, right? Is that when this team goes down, when when they, they have a big deficit, it's really hard for them to come back um, against a a superior team. It's damn near impossible with how inept the the passing game is. I mean, you're talking about, uh, you know, Drake London and Kyle Pitts combining for four catches for 18 yards. Um, 18 is that it? Yeah, it's pathetic. I mean, it's absolutely pathetic that we can't get these guys more involved. And it's kind of regressed as well because, I mean, Drake London, he was averaging, what, like 70 yards a game, yeah. first three games. So, yeah. And maybe the you know maybe the secondary of Cincinnati did a really good job against them, but I think it's also just the Falcons have gotten into this pattern of just run at all costs, which I like, but you're exactly right. When you're down by that much in the second half, you can't really pull off one of those epic drives because even if you score – you're going to run off seven, eight, or in this case, 10 minutes off the fucking clock, and you can't really afford to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the reverse of what in the 49ers game where we were up 14 or whatever, and the 49ers just continued to run the ball, had like an eight-and-a-half-minute drive, right. and then they didn't even score. And right. It's like, okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah. You probably could have aired it out on our secondary that's ailing. Yeah. Um, so a little little bit frustrating that the offense managed zero points when we were back in the game, but especially after that turnover on downs, I was like, okay, yeah. now's the time, man. Yeah. Now's the time you can really make it happen, and you could still run at that point because you're only down by nine. Yeah, and we just couldn't get anything going on that drive, and then it just sort of snowballed from there. Oh, and then that cowardly punt with like four minutes left or something like it that. It was more than that. I can't remember how much time is left, but, but it, was... it was down three in the fourth quarter, and we're punting. But we're down more than that. It was. Uh... I don't know. We were down the by three possessions. The three possessions. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We, you can't be doing that at that point if you want to. What do you have to lose? You're already getting your butt kicked. You know, if you're going to go out and go out with a little fire in your belly as opposed to being a total coward. Mm, coward. I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point, Graham. Um, so a little bit disappointing this week, but like we said, tough matchup. Hilariously, the Bucks lose to the Panthers. Get their asses kicked. Which, you know, put us on alert. Don't don't take these Panthers lightly. I could see PJ Walker throwing for three fifty on us. Oh yeah, well it was interesting too because they get rid of Matt Rule, they get rid of Christian McCaffrey, and then their whole offense opens up. And we saw that when we were at Hudson Grill. Another plug for Hudson Grill. Uh, we just kept seeing how much Carolina was just running all over Tampa Bay's you know vaunted defensive line, and it was like holy shit. And and like they got a new coaching staff, they got a new quarterback, and and new running backs, and and they are pissed off, and they're coming in here hot having just beaten Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. So, I mean, and that's another thing, too. Even though we talk about how, like, oh, it's Falcons and Bucks and the NFC South, the Saints and the Panthers are only one game back. So it's not like nothing is settled at this point, and you cannot rule out the Saints or Carolina getting hot and doing right. something. But I still think we're, like, looking at it from an outsider perspective as well, you know, because I listen to some outside podcasts every now and then. Congratulations. Yeah, everyone's on the Falcons. Like, the Falcons look like the best team out of these four pretty shitty teams. Yeah, they did. Like the the Bucks, I think Bucks might be bad. I'm going to knock on wood. But uh, you know, Tom Brady is just his heart's not into it. They've got they didn't like actively improve their roster. They they tried the old uh the old Hawks uh, The Hawks run it back. Yeah. Uh the Saints, you're not going to trust Jameis Winston. Like their defense isn't what it was. 
And the Panthers are a train wreck. Yeah, they won this one game, but yeah, who knows what they're going to do? But it is still they have some momentum coming into Atlanta this this weekend. Yeah, we I'm very concerned about our secondary and these like horrible injuries. That's the big thing. It was right? good good to see our pass rush get three sacks this past week. Uh, rookie D'Angelo Malone gets his first one. He that was, was a beautiful play. He was all over. There's a couple of times when he was really getting in there and causing causing havoc, even when he wasn't getting a sack. Like he was he was getting up in Burrow's grill, which was great. So I, th- I think we're going to see some of this pressure start to hit, and maybe that'll ease up on the secondary a little bit. Yeah. Uh, let's just trust in Dean Pease that he's going to make some adjustments and well, that was ne- f- big time at next man up mentality, Graham. Yeah. Well, that was the that was the frustrating thing in the first half was like anytime we sent pressure, bro got a little rattled, made a bad throw, or he got sacked or whatever, and then anytime we were just rushing four, it was a nightmare. It was just you know, and you can't blitz every play, but it was frustrating. That we didn't blitz more than than we did because yeah. it was kind of, it was working and there seemed to be a reluctance to really give in to blitzing a lot more than dropping or rushing for and dropping back five or six. Yeah, I mean we got to find some way to slow down an offense when they're just hitting on all cylinders yeah. like and, that. And it's tough. I mean the Bengals, but I would Burrow say, Burrow is so good. Some of those passes, like those over yeah. the shoulder catches, it's yeah. just like no, Burrow's great, ridiculous. And he, he has the best receiving th- core. Yeah, all and, of their wide receivers—they have three wide receivers better than any of ours. Yeah, and and they could, I think, just about. I think Higgins and Chase could be number ones in any team, and Boyd could be number one on a lot of teams in the NFL. So it's like, I mean, you're you're—that's a murderer's row receiving core. It's very difficult to deal with. It's even more difficult when you're banged up as the Falcon secondary was. Uh, big Grady, man, got to go another shout to Grady. Finally gets a sack. Uh, the two games prior, he had also recorded a sack that were taken away by penalties. So I was very happy to see him get a sack, and he led the team in quarterback hits. I mean, the bit, well, one thing I, I, I really hope for Grady Jarrett's sake, with how hard he works, for being the only guy worth a damn really on that defensive line is uh, at least presently, is I hope we're able to start being you know relevant again while he's still here because he deserves it, man. He's given his everything he's got to this this sorry franchise. Yeah, no, I think I think we're. I mean, we are currently relevant. Like, yes. I know we're three and four, but we are tied for first place. Right, but I'm just that talking about like such big progress. Get into the playoffs, man! I just want yeah. I want Grady to get back in the playoffs. I think we all see a trending there. Like, I haven't ran into many people recently that are like, "Ooh, yeah, Arthur Smith was a bad hire." No, I don't. I don't like what he's doing. No, um, and like you're, and you like you mentioned earlier, when he does make mistakes, he usually learns from them and doesn't make them again. Yeah, it's okay to make mistakes. But he you doesn't learn from them. seem to be a stubborn bastard like Dan Quinn right. or Mike Smith. Right. Um, and his team respects him. And we have $64 million to spend next year. So Lots of cap space, yeah. Yeah. I think um, things are on the up and up for these Falcons. I'm yeah, excited overall. about them. One thing I wanted to discuss was, and some of these flurry of roster moves that have to happen this week in order to you know, get enough cornerbacks onto this roster, we released former second-round pick, my boy, Marlon Davidson. Who you kept thinking was going to be so good. Oh, man. I thought that kid was going to be a monster. I loved his attitude. I loved his metrics. I loved everything about the guy, what he did in college. And you got to remember, Adam, he's a Thomas Dimitrov draft pick. And when that happens, you're a defensive lineman. The only the exception to the rule is Grady Jarrett. He's the only person out of 14 years that was worth a shit in terms of being drafted as a defensive lineman. We might as well trade every single one of our second-round draft picks. They're never hits for us. Yeah, especially ones that were uh, 
drafted by Thomas Dimitrov. Dimitrov. Yeah, we'll 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 see how it goes now. If you're a defensive lineman drafted by Thomas Dimitrov, with the exception of Greg Jarrett, you should be traded. If yeah. there's anyone else still on the team from that regime, just get rid of them. They're not they're not good. Man. Yeah, Marlon was supposed to be that dude next to Grady Jarrett, though, and it just so, so was uh, you know so 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 was uh, all those other guys the, the Jamal Anderson with two A's, uh, Pariah Jerry, you know, list goes on. Tack McKinley, Vic Beasley, all these guys were supposed to be the dude. Ugh. Like you got to look at the Panthers and like how they're starting to trade off their like better pieces now. Mm-hmm. And people are encouraging them to trade. They've got a stud for a D end. They've got what's that wide receiver's name? DJ Moore. DJ Moore. Yeah. And like people are like, oh, why don't you trade him? It's because like they're good young players. Like you don't want to get rid of actual hits. And they're still on rookie contracts. Exactly. Because yeah. best case scenario, you get like a first round pick. And who the hell knows if you're going to hit on it? There's so many misses. Right. It's it's like I feel like drafting in the NFL. It's uh. It's not easy, man. It's a like, dangerous game. Out of all the sports, I feel like you get more misses like early in the draft than you do in uh, basketball or baseball. I think it all depends, but I mean, like every player is different. But yeah, it, it it's more magnified because I think out of all of the draft events, right, the NFL draft has the most prestige, the most pedigree, and then most people are watching it. Like we don't watch the baseball draft. We, we check in on it. You know, there's like 200 rounds or whatever. I don't it, think I even watched that during COVID when there was nothing else to right. watch. It was like, this is the most boring shit I've ever yeah. heard. Of. I don't know who anybody is. Uh, NBA, it's, it's, it's also a lot shorter. And, I'll watch the NBA draft. I like it. Cause it's just a couple nights. I think right. that's the best TV for me. Yeah. But I'm just saying, it's just like, there's more eyeballs. There's more attention on the NFL draft. I feel like, and those players that fail or don't make it or whatever, you know, that failure is magnified because of the NFL being like the number one American sport, I think. Sure, sure. Yep. Um, but the thing that, and speaking of the draft, the thing that kind of pisses me off from uh, Fontenot's standpoint, his strategy at least, is like you, you're, both your, your drafts that you've had so far, you had spent first round picks on a tight end and a wide receiver. You're not really doing anything with them. And that's kind of frustrating to me. And it's, I don't think it's their fault because look who you have at, at quarterback. But it's 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 like, why are we drafting these guys if we're just burning through these first two years with them when we have so many other problems? And it's like, well, these are the guys, you know, and I know we're not supposed to be great this year, and I know we've got to give it time and everything, but it's still frustrating to be like, yeah, we're drafting best player available. Here's these great offensive players with no one to really throw them the ball. We're throwing the ball 10 times a game. It's just it's just frustrating. It feels like an incongruent strategy. I know it's just a situation and yeah, you know, no, do what you got to do. I, I totally get that. Um, I could also see it like completely come together next sure, year. Sure, that's entirely that possible. $69 million, of get, course. Like, just reinforce everything, and then you have these cheap weapons that are ready to go. Yeah. But no, I, I completely get that frustration where we have – holes elsewhere that we could have filled and then you know just get like Zacchaeus at our best receiver right now basically it's insane um so like you could find those guys but um yeah who knows what this offense would look like with it were it not for the threat of Kyle Pitts and Drake London sure that probably helps the running game a lot I still think Fontenot is is building you know the roof of the house before he builds the the foundation I still firmly believe that we'll see if it plays out and but I think think he's he's hitting on his mid-round draft picks as well yeah. Like a lot of these young defensive players look really good to sure. me. So 
We'll see, Graham. Yeah. I mean, it's too early. The jury's still going to be out for another year or two on that. But it's just something I was thinking about when I was like, Marcus Mariota threw the ball fucking 13 times again and completed like eight passes. It's like, it's just frustrating. But I'd like to see us just completely stomp the Panthers this week. Yeah. I mean, it's a big game. It's a big game. Yeah. This is one like, if we lose this, then it's Depression City. Yeah. You got to win. If you really want to stay relevant and stay, you know, in the good graces of the fans, you have to absolutely have to be careful at home. This weekend. We got back to back. I mean, the schedule. Now, this is this is the part. This is the part of the schedule where Adam wants to reel off seven. What is it? Seven consecutive victories. All right, Panthers should win. Panthers, Chargers. Chargers are actually not terrible. But that's both at home. You win, can win. win. Yeah. Panthers again. Win. Chicago. Win. Washington. Win. Pittsburgh. Win. New Orleans. Win. Baltimore. That's at Baltimore. That's where they lose a lot of their games. Potential win. Cardinals win. Tampa Bay. Oh, we're winning out. That's, winning that, out. that's right. the schedule for the... I'm not scared right. of right. any of those teams. Do so you want to put any money on that? Uh, of the, of we, us winning out? No. But that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games left. Um, Do you think we could win four in a row? I think we can win six out of those ten. I'll give you double or nothing on your fifty bucks. Okay. Well, I'm going to lose that probably this week. All right. Is is that a dumb bet? Six, no, I don't think so. Six out of ten. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's that's fair. Let me sit on this one. I'm not I'm not ready to shake on that yet. <laughs> you can't tease me like that. My gambling uh, addiction needs to be fed. Six out of ten. I mean, double or nothing is nice because it's like I don't have that fifty bucks in my pocket right now, anyways, and I'm living. Right. So I could have a hundred bucks in my pocket. You could. It'd really be living. Right. Yeah. The thing is that you you get you don't have to give me anything if you lose. That's I know. That's the beauty of it. So why don't you just agree to it? Would, your, your would, logic you, is would you take five out of ten? No, I would stick with that original six. You like six? Yeah. Okay. And I think that speaks to your confidence in, in Arthur Smith. You're talking all this confidence, then you can't shy away from it now. This cor- the secondary, though, scares me. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. I got I, no, I, I got to reel, reel back in. Sorry, Graham. Because we could get blown out by the Panthers this, this podcast weekend. podcast is canceled. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Okay, so, yeah, Carolina this week, and um, we'll see what happens. I don't think we know enough to really talk about the Panthers other than the obvious, no Christian McCaffrey. But, yeah, P- this P.J. Walker character. P.J. Walker scares me more than Baker Mayfield. Oh, I agree. Baker Mayfield's nothing. P.J. Walker, for those of you out there that don't remember, was the XFL star before the league went um, you know, bankrupt and all that. So, this new iteration of the XFL. Yeah, he, he was in the NFL for a couple of years, went to the XFL, was the MVP uh, for Steve Spurrier's team, I believe, the Rough Riders. They won. Yeah, they won that. Uh, that that year they won the championship. Yeah, yeah, good old XFL. I have fond memories of that. They're coming back under with the Rock. I love that they keep coming back. It's like they keep getting they keep they come back for a year. They 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 exist for a year. They go away. They it exist is, for a year. They go. Away. It is very funny that like there's all these rich people out there that think I could be the one guy that makes another league worked. Like I just the, think the last league that worked was like what like the ABA for basketball in the seventies maybe maybe. Um, I think it's a fool's errand to try and take on like these these uh, leagues that have been around for 
decades and decades and decades, especially one like the NFL, which is the most popular American sport, and be like, we're going to start a new football league. No one gives a shit about you. I, I think this iteration is kind of working with the NFL more, though. Is like, it's like a minor league system. Exactly, kind of. which, like, I mean, you've seen some... If you have financial support from the NFL, it makes total sense. Right. I mean, you look at, uh, I mean, P.J. Walker, success story. Yeah. Coming out of that, uh, Young Way Koo, he was in the AFL. Yeah, but uh, the AFL was stupid. AAF, too. Whatever, AAF it's whatever it was, but it was like that was a stupid proposition too, because it's like, it's like you're not doing it. You're you're going up against the NFL, and you have an inferior. Oh, they weren't brand going up. Against, no one's going up against the NFL. Well, it, well, you are though. You're you're competing, even though you're not at the same time. It's like you're competing for people's attention. But when there's no foot, when there's no NFL, but no one gave a shit, and when it didn't even finish right, the season. But in theory. America loves football so much, but we don't that like you would think such that, inferior football. Yeah, it has to be a decent product. Yeah, with no connection to any of these players. That's like that AAF. The only thing great about the AAF was that it was played at Turner Field. Right. It was an excuse That's to why I got Turner into Field. it. Yeah, sure. And I would, if Atlanta got an XFL team I'm and they played at Turner I'm Field, back to Turner Field I would be there. But if they played at like Mercedes Benz and there's like six thousand people there, which I doubt they would even get that many, that would be terrible. But throw them at Georgia State Stadium, yeah, I'm going to go tailgate in the blue lot. You better believe it. Sure. With all these weird apartments around me now, they don't even have parking lots out there anymore. I don't know. We're going to have to scout that one out if, if, <laughs> if Atlanta ever gets an XFL team. We'll find a place to tailgate. The gears I know are the, me- the media lot still exists behind Turner Field um, near the really sketchy, I think it's called Ballpark Groceries. Oh, I didn't know that existed. Yeah, that's still there. Um so the media lot's still there. So we'll tailgate there, Graham. Sounds good. Yep. Looking forward to it. Yep. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Don't really know much about the Panthers. I'm not going to sit here and, and front about it. But, yeah, it'll be, it'll, be a, uh, it'll be a weird game, I think. And we'll find out, you know, if the Falcons can survive this sort of secondary purge they're having right now. Um, and I think it's a good opportunity for these guys because they don't have to go up against – Three elite receivers. Really, the only elite receiver you got to worry about is DJ Moore. So, I'm not saying that plays into our favor. I'm just saying it's going to be a little easier in the secondary than it was last week. Sure, sure. There you have it. Um, we'll take a quick break here, a word from our sponsors, and then we will talk some Hawks. Your kicker's lining up for an onside kick. The chances of regaining possession are slim. The stakes are high, and the tension is higher. Your pulse racing. He kicks and he watches the ball lands. Make every play feel this exciting with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, and their unbeatable offers. Right now, new customers can make any $5 NFL bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings Stepped Up Same Game Parlays. Got two matchups for you, folks. I let you down last week with the Falcons. Sorry about that, but two and one's pretty good. So this week I'm going to stay away from the Falcons. I'm going to give you uh, I'm going to give you Philadelphia or Pittsburgh at Philly. Uh, Pittsburgh gets ten and a half points. I don't think they'll cover Philly at home. Is, and uh, is at home and they've proven to be one of, if not the best team in the league. Pittsburgh is terrible. If you watch that Sunday night game, it was like the worst game in American history. They can't score points. Philly's going to run all over them, even with. Ten and a half points uh, given up. I still take Philly there, and if that's a little too scary for you, I like Arizona getting three and a half points at Minnesota. Minnesota seems to be in close games every week. Arizona actually looked like a competent football team for the first time all year. They got DeAndre Hopkins back at receiver, so uh, 
those are your two picks this week. Uh, Arizona at Minnesota. Arizona gets three and a half. And take Philly over Pittsburgh, even though they're giving up ten and a half. To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Here's what you got to do, folks. You got to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Just place a $5 bet on any football game, only at DraftKings Sportsbook using code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Adam, talking basketball for the second time this season. Season's actually underway. As of this recording, the Hawks are 2-1. and one. Um, Been some inconsistency. A couple of uh, games we've been rough around the edges. And uh, I think chemistry is still formulating between these guys. But you got to like what you're seeing from DeJounte Murray especially so far. Um, dude seems to be as good as advertised. He's got five steals in his first game. Seems to almost get a triple-double every game. Um, really liking... Like, I... You, you hear all the stories about how much of a complete player he is, but until you actually watch him, you don't realize it. And I haven't really watched a, a Spurs game in probably seven or eight years. So I was like, oh, man, this is this is kind of fun. That, that first game especially, it was like such a balanced scoring effort. It's like everybody's scoring. They had four guys scoring uh, between 20 and 24 points. John Collins leading the way there. And uh, both DeJounte and Trey finished with double-digit assist numbers as well as scoring 20-plus points. And... Uh, you know, it was it was kind of like a little inconsistent defensively. Kept you know the, the damn Rockets were, were were pesky and hung around too long. But I was like, all right, you know, for first game of the year, that's that's all right. Um, I sort of felt like that through every game so far. I mean, the, the Hornets game was bad, the one they lost, but a lot of people freaking out about that loss in particular are saying, you know, and the Hawks aren't shooting well from three so far. They're like I think bottom five in the league and shooting three pointers so far. That I think that will turn around eventually, but. I'm liking what I'm seeing overall. I'm not like I said last week. I'm not going to get too high or too low um, on this team until February. I feel like by February I'll know kind of what to expect. But right now it's just like guys are figuring it out. It's okay. It's going to be all right. Like let's just sit back and, and February and watch. four months. Yeah, you give a team four months to get it going, Graham. I, I, I give a team four months before I say this is their identity. I kind of know who they are. So remember, be, I can be critical, but I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to lose my shit unless they're like, I don't know, 14 and 35 at that point. Well, that's, that, that's a problem. That's what you got to remember is last year, like we did start very slow. Like I think we won our first couple games just like this year, but then we were like six and 12, six and 13, something like that. And they were just excuse after excuse. So it was interesting after this loss to Charlotte, a team, you know, Charlotte's two and one, but I mean, every, records don't matter at this point, no. but it was a team a game at home versus a team that we have more talent than. And like, we just didn't show up energy wise. And Nate was calling people out after the game, like game three, which I think is good. I think that's, that's a good thing demeanor that he he recognizes the urgency to get off to a good start. And like, sure. Yeah. They they are finding their identity, uh, not having bogey for the second unit, like really cuts down on the shooter, the shooters that they have out there right now. Um, that's why we saw in this game, and this is what all the fans are really jonesing for, is uh, A.J. Griffin, our rookie out of Duke. Like, he's a great shooter. And he got his first game action in that game against Charlotte. Uh, eight points, three of four shooting, two of three from three. So a lot of people are wanting to see him get rolling a little bit more. But currently he's the, like the 10th guy off the bench. I mean, the fifth guy off the bench, you know, 10th right. guy in the rotation. Right, right. 
Um, so we'll see if if Nate decides to use him a little bit more since we have been struggling with three point shooting. But um, I like the urgency early on for you know one loss, but still, yeah, you, you, gotta, you want them to show up every night. Yeah, you got to hold people accountable. And I don't, I'm not saying I'm not going to hold people accountable until February. I'm just I'm just not gonna. I just feel like everybody has a tendency to overreact earlier in the season or even a month or two into the season and be like, oh, my God, everything's screwed or everything's going really well and we're unstoppable. It's just like sometimes it takes a minute to figure things out. But, I mean, you, you make a good point in terms of uh, individuals, especially when it comes to Nate McMillan. He might not have that long to figure it out. Yeah. Who knows how hot his seat actually is considering the, the, the abject failure of last year. That's a good point. Yeah, if we got off to a terrible start this year, but particularly with Murray, yeah, yeah. no the 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 roster is there. Like even um, Bogey is a big piece, but you know this team has depth this year, so we should be able to win as is. Um, but I'm excited to watch Hawks basketball. I feel like I'm more excited this year than I was last year. I think it's it's the additions, um, seeing what. DeJounte has brought to the table early on in terms of the defense has been exciting to watch. I feel like I'm instantly more into this season than I was at any point last year. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was into the beginning of, uh, of last year, but then around December, I was like, Oh my God, this is just, uh, I have to force myself to watch these games. Yeah. And maybe not want to watch those games at all. Yeah. With how they played. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're off and running here, Graham. Um, I don't know what else to say. Like DeAndre yeah. Hunter has looked solid. He he really did look good, especially in that first game. Like I was I was like, okay, he's getting a little bit of a shooting stroke back. He's playing good defense. I think having a full off season of of actual workout regimen um, as opposed to recovery regimen was was really beneficial to him. Uh, John Collins, I think we are going to see as in the first couple of games, his shots are a lot higher than they were last year. I love know? that he's being used more. Yeah. I think that's. I mean, that was the biggest thing that's that surprised me early on uh, this so far this year is like, all right, we're actually getting some usage out of John Collins. He's being utilized how he should be, and not just like, um, oh, he's going to be a guy that puts back offensive rebounds and you're going to hit him on the post like four or five times a game and he'll shoot a couple of threes and that's it. And it's like, no, he's actually getting the ball. I don't know how much they're drawing up for him, but it just feels a little different this year with his him getting more field goal opportunities. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, there's really not that much to <laughs> really go over at this point. Adam's looking at me with both hands out, like, "What the hell else do I say?" It's like we got, you know, we got three games that we've looked at so far. Right. They're playing right now. I think uh, you know. Yeah, Two weeks, we're gonna have an idea, Graham. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll know a little bit more. Um, right now, it's just so early; it just feels like um, we'll just be spinning our uh, twiddling our thumbs, spinning our wheels, whatever metaphor you want to use. Uh, if we continue to just drag it out tonight, we won't waste your time, let alone our time. Right, of just being like, well, let's look at the schedule. Well, what do you think about Aaron Holiday? Well, you know, like, what the hell are we gonna? It's just, it's just uh, filling time, filler. I do find myself early on following. I'll, I'll check out Sacramento Kings box scores, see how our boy Herder. Oh, Herder, yeah. He, he, he How's should, he doing? He had a great first game. Talk like about filler. Twenty <laughs> <laughs> something points oh, on great shit. shooting. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, but I think he followed that up with like seven points on terrible shooting. So right, I mean, that's you know, he's the kind Kevin, of feeling how the Hawks are. The Kevin right Herder now. experience. Um, yeah, man. I got I got nothing else currently. Yeah, me neither. We'll have a lot more to discuss. In the future, though. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Well, I think that wraps us up, folks. No real Braves news. It's the first week without really talking about the Braves in a while, so that's kind of depressing. Uh, I want to have this this conversation on the podcast, uh, okay, though. I've been I've been getting a little bit of heat from I don't know maybe you, Philly John, for people thinking that I should be cheering for the Phillies just to support our friend who's a Phillies fan. I'm not I'm not giving you heat. I don't think I'm uh, I'm just I'm explaining to you why I'm like don't Ex- explain hate. it to the people. So here's why I don't hate Philly this year and why i mean for one they haven't been relevant in over a decade so it's like my rivalry my intense hatred for them was like really really high in like 2009 through about 2012 uh when they were just perennial playoff contenders world series contenders and they kicked our ass all over the place and we were just struggling to even be in the same division with them and then we just destroyed them all the time and i was just like all right whatever i don't really care about philly and then it was like i hated the nationals so fast fast forward to this year and we lose this playoff series against them, and it felt more like we just didn't we just didn't show up more so than like Philly won, but we didn't show up. Like that, we we've talked about how that could have been a very different series. You know, if Max Fried is is healthy, if Spencer Strider hadn't gotten hurt, etc. Um, often still sucks. Maybe we still lose, but at least it would have been a little closer. But I, I didn't like when we lost that series. It was very different from past postseason failures where it was like, oh my God, we really just choked away a golden opportunity and blah, blah, blah. It was more like, and we just didn't show up or we were really hurt with the rotation. So I was just like, I don't really care. Like it didn't hurt me to lose that series um, for whatever reason, for the reasons I just, I just stated. So, you know, when Philly kept moving on and, you know, our good friend, John's a Philly fan, I'm not like actively cheering for Philly and I'm like watching every game with great interest and I'm like invested emotionally kind of thing. I'm like, they win. I'm like, yeah, fine. Like, whatever. Like, what am I going to do? Um, you know, go ape shit for the Padres or the Astros. Like, I just, I just, it's really just like, I don't care. And if, you know, John's happy, then great. Like, it's, it's not a big deal to me. It's not a big deal. Like I'm, I'm not actively rooting for Philly, but I'm not like against them either. If someone has to win, I'm like, yeah, fine. So if do it for John. Who if, cares? If John were a Mets fan, do you feel the same way? No, because the Mets rivalry was so intense this year. Like Philly was such a fucking afterthought. Now they're in the World Series. That's the crazy. I, I feel thing. like your your whole division, like whoever is good in your division, is a great rival. But they weren't good like until the, they if, beat us. If John were a Marlins fan and the Marlins made a run. I probably had the same reaction I'm having now, unless it was like a if it was like an intense back and forth thing with the Mets all year. Like with Philly, they were a total afterthought. They were left for dead. Hell, if the playoff format hadn't expanded, they wouldn't even be in the playoffs. They were they were they were an afterthought this year until they beat us. Their fans being loud and hateable doesn't do anything. They've been like that forever. Like who gives exactly? Yeah, I I don't really care. You can't cheer for Philly teams. It's a thing where it's like I'm not like sitting here watching every game cheering for them. I'm just like if someone has to win, fine for John. I don't, like good. Like I, I'm not gonna root against them. I'm not gonna wish ill on the Phillies. Haven't you always told me you you always have to have a take, and you're you're taking apathy here. Yeah, because we lost, and I'm kind of bummed about it. So it's like if I have to, if if someone so has are, to be happy, are, are about you gonna it, turn on any World Series games? Unless I'm like actively watching with somebody, probably not. Okay. Um, like I think that's fair. I, I hardly watched any baseball games. I watched a couple this weekend. Uh, 
my father-in-law just because we were watching sports outside and we were just flipping between football and baseball and shit. But, sure. You know, it wasn't like, um, you know, if he wasn't there, I wouldn't be watching it kind of thing. Yeah. I just think the Phillies are a top five Braves rival. All time, yeah, sure. So, you know, it's not like I can get behind a team like the Blue Jays, the Rangers, the Mariners, the Mariners um, you know, the Rockies are fine, the Royals. There's teams that mean nothing to me. Sure. Them I can cheer for. Sure. But if we're talking about the Mets, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, the Phillies, the Nationals. I'm throwing the Marlins in there. I read an article the other day that was like every team's worst, like biggest regret in the postseason or like the game that was just like the most brutal really set things back. So like for the Braves. The game one. No, the Braves. No, like like all time. Oh, God. All time. Um, so like the Braves moment was Jim Lawrence. Home run, 96. Yes. Um, just because of the circumstances. I still remember that. Yep. But there, uh, God. The, Marlin, the Marlins moment was, funnily enough, losing to us uh, in the wild card round and, you know, in the COVID in 2020. year. And you know why? Because they won every single playoff series they played They had never lost that. a playoff series. Yeah, How exactly. absurd is that? That is absurd, isn't it? That is wild. Every time they went, they won it. Yeah, man. Until I could get- 2020. I can get behind the Diamondbacks. I understand. I, I, and I don't <laughs> but think the Phillies. Come on. I don't think you're wrong, but it's also like the Astros. Like, I don't really care about the cheating thing. That never hit me as hard as other team, other people did. And I think people just wanted something to complain about. Oh no, I think that was bad. Well, personally, either way, the Astros are not above the Phillies on my hateable list. I think that if you're watching sports as a neutral fan, you got to have a hateable list, and that's how you decide who to cheer for. Sure. And, like, watching, like, the only time I did get upset this uh, watching Phillies games was seeing Bryce Harper do well. Exactly. I forget about about him until he does something. And I'm like, well, shit. And Bryce Harper has got to be number one on your hateable current players. Yeah, of course. I hate Bryce Harper. He is the most hateable player. I try to pretend like he's just not not on the team. Just remember this, Graham. I I think we're getting somewhere now. Like, Bryce Harper plays for that team. Yeah. Okay. All right. So just keep that in mind in case you watch any World Series games. But here's the thing. Do you hate Bryce Harper more than you like John? No, that's not the same thing. To me, it's like, would I, would Jared, I rather my friend be happy or depressed? Like Jared is a Patriots. he was also a big supporter of the Braves last Jared year. Jared is he a Patriots up. fan. Yeah. I'll never cheer for the Patriots. Okay, what's the difference? Be- well, the difference is they beat us in the Super Bowl. So what you're saying is you like you hate the Patriots more than you love Jared. But you don't hate the Phillies as much as you love John. So either so. either you're saying you love John a lot more than you love Jared. No, not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> so it's well, we know X intern Jared listens to this. Show. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jared. Graham doesn't care no, about you enough to cheer for your Patriots. No, it's because but we he cares more, about John so much. We have a more personal hatred for the Patriots because because the because uh, of the Super Bowl. Whereas this year it was just we didn't show up. And it's like, whatever, man. Who cares? That's how I feel. It has nothing to do with how we, the fact that well, we... that's like, where I'm basing it on. No, you got to base it off just seeing that Pure team, hatred. Seeing Bryce Harper always coming up clutch, getting fired up. He is having the postseason of his life. Yeah. I hope the Astros stomp on I think them. the Astros will beat the Phillies. Like, that's that's my opinion. I mean, the Astros haven't the lost didn't a single have to, game in the playoffs yet. They didn't have to play the Dodgers. Ugh. Yeah, like I, I honestly think that Houston will win 
It would be really funny if Houston doesn't, though, because they will have lost three of the last four World Series to National League East teams, if that's the case. To Washington in 2019, the Braves in 2021, and then uh, Philly in 2022. Yep. Um, that would be kind of funny. But, yeah, no, I, I think Houston's a, a better team on paper. I think they have a better rotation, better offense, top to bottom. But who the hell knows, man? Philly's hot as Philly's hell right got now. that mojo. They do. But that's not to say Houston doesn't. Houston has, uh, hasn't lost a damn game yet. That's they, true. They've won every single playoff game. They, they destroyed the Yankees. Um, not that the Yankees really had a good second half, but it's like they still swept the shit out of them. So I just don't, I just don't care that much. So it's like, you know, why not let John be happy? Misery doesn't deserve any more happiness sports wise. Cause the Patriots won six Super Bowls. All right. Misery loves company, Graham. That's why. So you want John to just wallow in the depths of us? Get down here with us, John. He had a Super Bowl. We got a world series. We're even now. That's true. He doesn't need more championships. Yeah. That's bullshit. Now, see, like, I hate the Eagles with a fiery passion. Like, <laughs> I despise them because they've beaten us in the playoffs, I think, three times. And that last loss when they won the Super Bowl, when we should have won that fucking game, was just so annoying that I just I despised the so, Eagles. So, if the so e- I would never cheer for the Eagles, ever. So, Eagles are playing, I don't know, let's throw out the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. You're going Chiefs? Hell yeah. Okay. A thousand percent. Yeah. Okay. It's how personal it gets for me in, in terms of, like, when was the last time you beat me and how did you do it? If we had played a tough-spirited series where it went to five games and we lost in, like, the 11th inning against Phillies, I would be anti-Phillies. I'd be like, fuck the Phillies. Like, I would be all over it. But it was such just a lopsided defeat that I was just like, yeah, we just didn't show up, so fuck it. Who cares? Oh, well. Yep. Um, agree to disagree. All right, we're out of here. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Until then, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, remain true. To Atlanta. Hospitality. Hospitality.